Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Friends, I want to talk to you today about change. First of all, welcome to all of you who are listening online. We greet you. Thank you for being with us today. If you like Community Church and Mecca, guys, thank you for being with us today. Uh, what, what a great day it is, you know? It's a little cooler than it's supposed to be in uh, southern Indiana, right? Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, but when that snow flies, you know, you'd rather have the warmth, yeah. Anyway, so change is inevitable, I think, and it happens all the time. And, you know, friends, I've worked for uh, four different law enforcement agencies in my life, uh, and I can tell you over, you know, 30-plus years as a law enforcement officer, I've seen changes that uh, honestly aren't good. The the respect for law enforcement isn't there. uh, And listen, I'm not saying all officers are good. There are some bad ones. But the fact of the matter is our respect for authority is out the window. It's gone. And that's only a part of the things that we see in our society taking, taking shape. My grandparents uh, taught me early and often the right way to do things. Taught me how to hold utensils, how to act in a restaurant, how to uh, speak to people, how to be polite, how to stand when people wouldn't enter the room. Uh, well, we don't much do that anymore. There's a lot of things we're not doing anymore. And every now and then, I find myself longing for a time that was earlier than we have now. It seemed to me that life was a little simpler, but at the same time, it was a little sweeter. There didn't seem to be the things coming at us and happening that are happening today. And so I wanted to speak with you today on the American family, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. If you miss some of this, that's fine. You'll be able to get it online later. Uh, but there are a few points that I wanted to make to you today, and if you, I think the outline was probably available for those of you who wanted to download it. But it is there for you. But Ruth chapter 4, uh, and, and start at verse 1. I'm going to read today out of the New Living Translation. I don't often do that, uh, but this paraphrased version really uh, lays out this story a little better than some of the, the other non-paraphrased versions do. And so in Ruth chapter 4, New Living, it says, So Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. And when the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, Boaz called out to him, Come over here, friend. I want to talk to you. And so they sat down together. And then Boaz called the ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I felt that I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. 
The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, for I cannot do so. In those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family member, a redeemer, drew off his sandal, and he's, as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. And then Boaz said to the leaders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Killian, and Malan. And with the land I have required from Ruth, with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malan, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in this hometown. You are all witnesses today. And then all the leaders and all the people standing there replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is now becoming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you be great in Epaphrath and famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. And so Boaz married Ruth and took her home to live with him. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. And then the women of the town, they said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has given you a family redeemer today. May he be famous in Israel. May this child restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much and who has been better to you than seven sons. Now the interesting thing to me in this passage is that Naomi lost her son, who was Ruth's husband. And so both of them were nervous and scared because they didn't know how they were going to be taken care of. Because it was difficult for women without a man to provide for them to take care of themselves in those days. Because they had no inheritance. And so Naomi had some land that she received. And so she thought, if I were to sell this land, I could get money. But the right of inheritance came and went to the males each line. And so by marrying uh, or buying the land, the, the owner had to marry the daughter or daughter-in-law. And in this case, it was a daughter-in-law who said she would never leave her mother-in-law. She would always take care of her. And they loved one another like mother and daughter. And so Boaz buys the land and he marries Ruth. Or Mar- yeah, marries Ruth. And so he asked now not only to take her in his home, but to take care of his mother-in-law as well as pass that right and responsibility down to a son. And so now the son will have to take care of them, provided that Boaz would die. And typically in that day, men died well before women. And so they would both be taken care of until the day that they also would die. And so these women had faced these difficult times after both of them losing their husbands, but God didn't forget them, notice. He didn't forget them. And I think sometimes when we go through difficulty, we wonder if God's watching or caring, or if he hears us. Anybody ever wonder if God heard you? Yeah. But God provides them with this perfect guy, both of them, strangely. And he cared for them. He provided for them. And the Bible says that God is the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be in the future. It's also true that when hard times face the family today, God has always promised 
to be with us. He said, I'll never leave, I'll never forsake you. Amen. Not even to the end of the age. He said he'll provide for us. And he said he would take care of us if we're faithful and obedient to him. And so he sent his son who has done exactly that. He has redeemed us. Brought us back into the family of heaven. And aren't you grateful for that? He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit who will guide us, who will teach us, who will protect us in times of trouble. And so my focus today is on the family as it faces the problems of change and uncertainty that I believe that we are seeing in these difficult times. And I want to begin with the family of yesterday. Uh, it's interesting to me because uh, one of my favorite movies is RV. Anybody remember RV? Robin Williams, it breaks my heart, you know, that, that he committed suicide. But the fact of the matter is he was hilarious. And he could play things and do things that would just make you smile. And, you know, he did it in a manner and a way that you're like, oh, that's right. It was reality, you know. And in RV, you know, he works for a company, and uh, he's becoming the older guy there, and his ways aren't really embraced by the new people coming in because to them it's all about marketing to gain money. Money, 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 money. And that seems to be the name of the game today. And anyway, they have this big presentation that they're going to give to a, a small uh, soda company in Colorado who wants to go national. And so uh, they don't necessarily trust him to pitch it properly because the younger marketing representatives think there's a better way to do it. And so he has, the owner has Robin do a presentation, but he has this younger guy as a backup. And then, strangely, the day of the presentation, he has the younger guy pitch it. And he gets up there and starts talking about the money and how it's going to gain him all this money. And the two guys who started the company said, well, wait, 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 wait. Is this all about money? And Robin immediately realizes that these guys aren't in it for the money. This is their baby. They made this thing, and they want it. They, they, they're, they're nostalgic about it. They want it to grow and be a household name, and they want people to love their product. Mm -hmm. The money's only part of it. That's right. And so immediately he jumps up and tells this guy, Laird, good job, good job. But, and then he turns to the two guys he said, and calls them by name. He, he tells, I don't remember the names. He says, Larry and whatever the other guy's name, I think. And he says, you remember so many years ago, when you could walk down the street in any town and people were sitting out on their porch and the sun was going down, the kids were playing in the street, running around, doing things. It was an easy time and people were happy to be alive and they were drinking soda pop and just enjoying family. That's right. And you immediately see these guys who were uptight, relaxed and sit back in their seats and smile. It was a different time. That's the family of yesterday. That's right. I want to talk about the life within the family of yesterday. The goals of life were always family goals. Because almost everything that you did, you did together. Amen. You did it together because you were family. In fact, the early settlers in, in our nation risked the unknown dangers of the new land for freedom and a better life for their families. But remember, again, they did it together. They traveled long distances dealt with many dangers. They lived and died together as a family. And every single member of the family was necessary from the little children all the way up to the oldest to take care of certain duties and things that had to happen so that the family could function, they could stay safe, they could get to their destination and create a new life for themselves. I think 
that the Amish are about the last group in the United States to still do it. And to be honest with you, they're only doing it to a point. In fact, with the family of yesterday, the role of each individual was clearly defined. And every single person contributed to the needs of the family as a whole. Because if they didn't, th bad things happened. Amen. You might not have water for the day. Or you might not have food. Or you might not have protection. Or your shelter might have needed some repair. All sorts of different things. Everybody had to get together and work together. And the family ties that were built were strong and they were very intimate. In fact, members were secure in this mutual support and concern that they had for each other. And they were more tighter knit than we are today Amen. because of that. And they not only survived, but they thrived. They had to. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't make it. But I want to look further at that family of yesterday. Not only in the family unit together, but also as the family knit together with other families in the community. Because the community of families together was just as important to each and every family member as the family member was to, the, to each as, it, as an individual to the family. Amen. In fact, everybody looked after everybody else. The fortunes and misfortunes of life were shared oftentimes. Amen. If you were short on something, but long on something else, you would help this family who was just the opposite, and they would help and turn you, and so on and so forth, until everybody was taken care of in the community, sometimes as traveling together, or maybe as a town that they had yes. founded. Yes. But they shared together. Teach it. That's right. That's right. Colonel Hal Moore was a commander of the 7th Cavalry. That's interesting because that was Custer's unit. And in Vietnam, Colonel Moore knew that he had to hold his soldiers together or they were going to be in trouble. Because they were going up against an enemy that was determined, had been fighting for many years, decades in fact. It was their terrain. They knew it. They knew how to live on very little. And they were defending their nation to the death. And he was tasked of bringing in a brand new way of fighting battles. Instead of using horses as cavalry, they used helicopters to drop soldiers off. The only problem with it is when you get to battlefield, there's only so many helicopters and so many soldiers. And then when those soldiers are on the ground and the helicopters have to return, guess what? They're by themselves until they can get another load in there and another load. And before you know it, you are small in numbers compared to two or 300,000 that you're going to be fighting. And that absolutely happened for Colonel Hal Moore, one of the bloodiest battles of Vietnam. He was training his soldiers and officers before go, deploying to Vietnam. And at one time, they're out on a run, he and his officers, and, and uh, they stop to rest, and the radio operator is able to uh, uh, pick up a signal from Vietnam where uh, we weren't in it yet, but, uh, or, very, or at least very heavily, but many of our advisors were advising uh, the South Vietnamese and so our radios were in play out there, and atmospheric balance was picking up, and we were picking up on our radios here in the States some of the battles that were taking place that our, that our advisors were part of. Mm -hmm. And as they're listening to this take place, all of them having different thoughts in their minds about, my goodness, I'm going to be going into that pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And everybody had a different way of dealing and reacting to it. Right. And Colonel Moore wisely shared with him an interesting thought. He said, when Crazy Horse was a baby... He nursed at the breast of every woman in the tribe. He said the Sioux raise 
their children that way. Each warrior called every woman mother, and every older warrior was called grandfather. And the point here, Colonel Moore was trying to make, and this is what he said. He said, they fought and survived as a family. Take care of your men. Teach them to take care of one another. Because when this starts, each other is all we're going to have. That's a brilliant thing. I was thinking what life might be like if we always had each other to rely on. It was like that in families of yesterday. And we know from history that it raised one of the greatest generations of our time. More than that, the church, friends, was a central part of the community and the life of the community as spiritual activities were a huge part of the family. In other words, families went to church together. And the church was the hub of their activities. Why? Because the church was the hub of the community. Why? Because everybody went. Everybody. It wasn't a question of, hey, are you going today? It was, hey, what time does it start? Again, everybody was going to be there. And this ensured that the sanctity of marriage and the preservation of the home was protected by the common commitment of being a Christian. And the values and biblical principles were taught. And the reason is because everybody was instructed in the right and proper things, not according to society, mm-hmm. what they all thought up or what they all wanted, wanted to do, yes. but what God said, because God was supreme. Yes, he was. God was the creator. He was the redeemer. Yes, he, he was the sustainer. He was the protector. Yes, was. God was everything. It started with God in their lives. It started with Him. And unfortunately today, you know yes. that even in the church, sometimes that's not true. And therein lies the downfall of our society. And everybody back then not only knew what was right and proper, they followed what God commanded. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any problems with authority. Authority was authority. Not only it started with God, but it rolled downhill to parents, to to, uh, those who are above you in the military or at your job or even in school. And that's particularly why families were closer back then. Also, why nobody questioned what was right or wrong, and people didn't have these great divisions amongst right. themselves that right. we seem to have. You see, the, the care and the nurture of children was the common responsibility of the church. It was also the common responsibility in the home, as well as in the school. Right. All three of these entities worked together mm-hmm. in order to ensure that children respected the authority of their elders mm-hmm. at the church at school and at home as well. And the fact is, friends, when I was going to school, if you got a spanking in church or at school, yes, I said spanking. If you got one, then your parents gave you another one when you got home. They didn't call the school. They didn't call the Sunday school teacher. They didn't squawk and cry and say, how dare you? They didn't call the school or the church to defend their child's disobedience, their bad behavior, or their disrespect. You got what you should have gotten, and nobody was upset about it. And you know, friends, the generations of children from that era who have become adults now and largely have gone on to their arrest were arguably the most successful, most industrious, most committed people in the history of the world. And I'm going to tell you something. This is a fact. Without them, much of the world would be under oppression and Amen. probably speaking German. Amen. That's right. 
This is absolutely not in dispute. Mm -hmm. You better believe, my friends, that the family of yesterday was happier. Mm -hmm. They were healthier. They were more effective than the families we have today. today. And I know that because I lived in it. I was little, but I know. And I've tried to bring those principles to my own family Mm -hmm. as a parent and as a grandparent. And hopefully within about 20 years, maybe a great-grandparent. Well, we got a ways to go, babe. But Nathan's 10. And 18 is going to be here before you know it. So those, those thoughts hit my mind as they do yours. And you think about it. And, and I'm going I'm to share it right, and tell you right now. I was raised in church. I was raised Roman Catholic and United Methodist, believe it or not. I don't know how one does that, but I did. And, and I got the best of both, I think, in many ways. And now I'm a Wesleyan. Wow. But the fact of the matter is, I found that regardless of what name is on the front door, it's still the same God. Still the same scripture. Still the same principles. Still the same obedience. And for years and years and years, I got away from it. I thought, well, you know, my parents can't make me go to church anymore. I'm in the Marine Corps. I can do whatever I want. And I did. And as I got older, I found out that, uh, guess what? I couldn't do it alone. Amen. And the way that I'd carved out for myself wasn't very good and wasn't working. And I found myself gravitating back to the ways of my parents and my grandparents. Yes. And you know what, friends, I found? It wasn't their ways at all. They were his. They were God's ways. Always. And God's ways have always worked best. It does in every, every fact of life. If you go back to the Word of God, whether you're teaching, counseling, admonishing, or just giving instruction, whatever you're doing, the Word of God works every time. time. Has always, always will, and yet we seem to want to throw it out. Why wouldn't we throw it out? That's what we want to do. We've done it everywhere this ever been used. Yes. So let's talk about the family of today. Maybe you'll see it. We first have to see what happened or what changed. First of all, there's a different attitude toward the marriage relationship today. Have you noticed that? Marriage seems to be this deal instead of a spiritual union. Mm-hmm. When somebody fails to give or do what the other in the marriage expects or wants, it becomes a self-centered deal, which is easily vo- voided, and guess what? Divorce happens. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you can save every marriage. But I can tell you this, were it not for the Lord and His instruction, mm-hmm. every marriage I know, including mine, would have been in trouble. That's right. Oh, yes. And sometimes you only get through because of what God has taught. Who knows that? Come on, raise your hands, don't be afraid. You know. You know. Marriage has become like any other contract that we make rather than a relationship. I don't like this, or that's unfair, or he or she did this, or didn't do that, or said this or that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just going to get out. Mm -hmm. Or some people, well, I just made a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe so, but you chose. And I'm coming to you from experience, I'm telling you. Okay. Whatever it is, the excuses are, (laughs) if you want an excuse, are you going to find one? Come on. Who knows if you want an excuse, you'll find one. That's life. What other changes? Well, there's a lack of relationship and intimacy between family members. Mm-hmm. Everybody does his or her own thing. We do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. 
There's a commercial that's been out there for a long time. It has to do with teaching your kids about drugs. Mm -hmm. And it, it, there's no words in it. No, no speaking. It's a, a dad and a young man who go out in the morning, probably a Saturday morning or whatever, and the kid gets a bowl of cereal and he's looking at his phone. Dad gets a bowl of cereal or whatever and he's reading a paper and nothing's said. Then they both get up and, and not a word, and boy, is that powerful. It's like, wow, this would have been a great opportunity to talk to your kid about drugs. Guess what? Been a good opportunity to talk to your kid about life. <laughs> but what's right, what isn't? Anybody? So true. And what happens is we're so busy, and the devil wants us to be so busy. And I'm not saying the busyness is always bad, because it isn't. But when your busyness doesn't center around the church in Christ, then it's going to be centered around something else. Amen. And when it is, your home becomes a base of operations for every other thing under the sun. Yes. Everything your kids are in, everything you're in, and everybody's running here and tether. And listen, you can wear yourself out. I know I had kids at four different ballparks at the same time. And now I'm doing the same thing with my grandkids. It, 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 yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And le who's, who's exhausted at the end of the day? Anybody? How many of you think you've had a bad year? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way life goes. There's just never enough hours in the day, and yet you don't want God to add any hours, do you? Right? You see? But real communication has become minimal. For example, oftentimes I've counseled people, and I'll often hear... Uh, when people are talking back and forth and you find out what the, one of the issues seems to be, one of the spouses will turn and say, well, you, you, you never told me that you felt that way. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. That's what, I don't know is used more times than any excuse I've ever heard in my life. I don't know. And it's interesting to me because the main reason that they're here seeing me is so they can learn to communicate better. <laughs> maybe if you just told the other how you felt, <laughs> maybe we could get somewhere. You wouldn't need me at all, you see. But that's life, isn't it? What about changes in our community? Families live in isolation from neighbors, and they seem to prefer it this way. Have you noticed that? And, I, and it dawned on me, my wife and I have lived in our house for 20 years. We've been here for 20 years. And I don't know how long the people down the lane across from me have lived there, but I bet it's more than, than 10. Well, maybe nine. But it's, it's in that ballpark. And I never knew him. I see the guy mowing out in front. He mows right across the road from me. And I never once went over there. And the other day, I went over and met him. His name is Daryl. He's a great guy. He's an over-road truck driver. He's got a couple of teenage daughters in the house, and, a, and, a guy, and a wife that lives in the house. And I said, Daryl? You know, he, he said, I don't see your squad car out here anymore. What I said, well, I don't work for Sheriff's Department anymore. I'm still a law enforcement officer. I can still have rest powers, but no, I don't, I don't work for the department anymore. But he said, well, that makes me feel a little better because when I'm gone over the road, my family's home alone. And I said, you tell them that I'm right across the street. All right, now. If your daughters feel threatened and mom's not home, tell them to run across the street and run right in. Don't even knock. Run right in the house door. That's right. Run right in because it's almost always open. But don't let me come home and catch you in my house. <laughs> but some of you know that it's okay to not. How many of you know you, you don't have to knock? You walk in. Who's done it? Yeah. You just walk in my house. And I told you, I, I, you you're all free to do that. But I can't promise what you'll see if you do. So if I were you, I'd use good discernment. Because everybody knows. Where's, where's Matt Schauberg? Where's Matt? Is he in here? I can pick on him, can I? 
You know, Matt, Matt loves to sit in his living room in his drawers and watch TV. I know that because I've been there when he's done it. And the fact of the matter, I'm probably never going to do that. But I'm just telling you, walk in my house, no guarantees. But see, friends, this is, this is what community is like. That's what it's for. You know? When we see our neighbors, I think sometimes what happens to them is not really our concern. But you know why? Because we're too busy with our own concerns. That's right. That's right. Now, I'm not saying we ought to be nosy. And Lord knows we've got some nosy people. Uh, you know, uh, my, my grandparents and, you know, some, I won't, I'm not going to name names, but some people in my family taught me how not to be. Has anybody learned how not to be in your family? Because, see, for those of you who don't know what this is, I grew up on a farm down in Claypool, Indiana, which is about 10 miles south of Warsaw. And, and everybody in that area had what we call a party line. Now, that may sound like a cool thing, but it's not. Okay? And everybody on, on, on a so many mile radius was on this phone. And so you, you would pick up the phone and somebody would be ch uh, chatty Cathy, you know, you might not be able to call out. And so every now and then, when I would get frustrated because I wanted to make a phone call, I would make sure that somebody knew that I was on the phone. Well, somebody clearly wants to use the phone and, and they don't let us talk. And there's usually gossip anyway. And, and, and so they, when I find out who it is, I'm thinking, but you never will, <laughs> you know. But, but my, but my, my stepmom and, and my grandmother at times would pick up the phone and they would go. <laughs> and they didn't make sure people knew they were there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, they, you, could, hear, you could hear them talk and you come in, blah, blah, blah. They go, shh, shh. And then you'd hear on the other line, well, somebody's clearly listening to our conversation. <laughs> Party line. You didn't need town crier you had a party line so I don't know if that's good in the community but everybody had one you know but I don't think we need to be quite that intimate with our neighbors okay you don't need to listen to phone conversations but friends I'm gonna tell you we're, 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 we're living our own lives we're not we're not involved and that's not what the Word of God is about that's not what Christ had in, intended for us there's also unconcern in the public over the practice of things that are clearly destructive to family life. We're unconcerned about these things that are happening. Mm -hmm. oh, yes. uh, at, I, I use a couple of different chiropractors in town. Uh, I, use, I call it a cocktail, believe it or not. I go to this one for this and go to this one for that, and it just kind of works for me. And so uh, here's the thing. But here's the, they all have one thing in common. And they all have a little sign somewhere that says, these are... Scary words. Maybe it will go away. Maybe it's not that bad. It is that bad. Our society is that bad, and we better own up to it right now. It's gotten there. You, you can't put your head in the sand and say it's not happening. Everybody in here, whether you're a, a church attender or you're a Christian or you're not, you, you can't help but see the changes, and you know they're not all good. That's a fact. And a lot of it is clearly destructive toward the family. And the welfare of our children. We often have this attitude, well, what can I do about it? I'm just one person. Mother Teresa said, yep, I can't change the world. I know by myself I can't do it. But maybe I can make enough of an impact. Like if I, if I take a stone and I throw it into the water, I see an awful lot of ripples is what she said. If my life is a stone, maybe I can make a lot of ripples. Hey, now we're going somewhere. What do the guys on Duck Dynasty say, Frank? Uh, now we're cooking with peanut oil. Where's Frank? Oh, now we're cooking with peanut oil. Isn't that what he says? 
That's what he says. So I think if we look at this, friends, we, we can make a difference. Amen. What about this one? It's not my problem. <laughs> the problem is society or your problem. Mm-hmm. It's just that attitude. Why are they growing? So what kind of practices are you talking about, Pastor? Mm-hmm. Well, allowing children to do things that ought to be reserved for grown-ups, mm-hmm. for one. Friends, our, our kids have plenty of time to grow up. They don't, they don't need to grow up when they're children. They shouldn't have to take care of themselves because nobody seems to care what they're doing. Right? We shouldn't allow them to be exposed to things in video games and television that you know are bad. Now, I'm not saying video games are bad. In fact, video games have been proven to enhance a lot of things in the mind where you can learn quicker. That's a fact. Amen. But there's good video games and there's poor ones. Anybody? There's good television, there's bad television, there's good internet, there's bad internet. You can use all of these things for good stuff. Internet and video allows us to broadcast our services anywhere in the world, and we're doing it. That's good, provided I'm any good, or the pastor's any good. But the fact of the matter is, we have the technology, but it's used for some evil stuff too. Yes or no? And you, you got to know which one it is. See? That's just a fact. And I think, friends, some parents are reliving their teenage years to their children because they got screwed out of it or they didn't like theirs or whatever. So they're like reliving it. I see parents walking and talking to their kids and buying stuff for their kids and shopping for things. And I'm thinking, those kids are like, they're like 10. You're talking to them like you're your friend. They're not your friend. They're your child. You're the parent. You can be their friend to a point, but you got to know when friend ends and parent starts. Anybody? That's a fact, because you're creating a society of people, and you want to know why they don't respect your authority, because you've been their friend their whole lives. Mm-hmm. They're going to treat you like one, too, right. and they are. Now, I'm not ripping on your kids. I'm not doing that. I'm ripping on mine. <laughs> no, my kids are respectful. My kids are all respectful. They are, and I'm grateful that they are. It wasn't easy. It's still not. I have to tell you, friends, I, I, I don't think middle, middle school kids ought to be wearing prom dresses and going to a school dance in a limousine. Come on, really? Your high school prom? Okay. Middle yeah. school? They they're trying to figure out who they are. What about no respect for authority? There you go. That's it. There you go. Or allowing our kids to tell their parents what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. Mm-hmm. You know my Dairy Queen story. How many times have I told you that? Again and again and again and again. For those of you who haven't heard it, it's it's the truth. This lady had some of the most unruly kids I've ever seen at Rural King. And Dairy Queen's right across the parking lot, for those of you who don't know. And and I'm telling you, every single person in that store, including the people that work there, gave a wide berth to this family because the kids were horrific. And all that mother kept saying, now, Johnny, if you don't stop it, we're not going to Dairy Queen. Now, Missy, if you don't stop it, on. And I'm thinking... Clearly, you ought not be going to Dairy Queen. And where were they when I left the store? Unbelievable to me. So you can see, don't threaten them if you don't plan to follow through with it. Maybe mom wanted Dairy Queen more than they did. I don't know. But either way. Some reason, families don't seem to care if we have meals together or not. And my kids will all tell you, yeah, you can be in every activity at school that you want, as long as your grades stay up, and you're here for dinner. Amen. Now, we didn't, were there dinners, times we couldn't eat together as a family? Yep, but not very often. 
Maybe we'd go out and get it because we had this two or three events to go through, but we, we did it, didn't we? They'll tell you, we did it. And, they, and every one of my kids, if they're in town, comes home on Sunday for family dinner. You know why? Because they want to be there. Amen. And I'm not bragging on my family. I'm telling you, it takes work. You got you to instill that. You got to start that now. You got to make a tradition, new tradition. You got to start it because that's what happens. You know what else? Families used to pray together. Now they don't. They used to go to church together. Now they don't. I often hear from parents, well, you know, he, he, he didn't want to go. Really? Who's the parent? Well, you know, he didn't want to go. That's right. How old is he? Eight. I don't care if he's 17. And I don't care if he's 20 and living in my house. Amen. Okay? You're 20? You live in my house? Guess where you're going? Aren't you? You're going. Amen. Get your own house otherwise. That's right. And then you do what you want there. But you know what? It's the right thing to do. Amen. And friends, you know, you can say, well, you know, I don't think church is necessary. Well, <laughs> I assure you that it is. I've tried it the other way. I know it doesn't work. And so that's, but you've got to learn that on your own, I guess. Not only that, everything else in life seems to be important in church. Come on now. Everything. Who thought that up? Well, that's easy. Satan that's did. It. You know why? Because he would rather involve your family in anything other than church. Why? To teach them everything is more important than church. Why? Because he keeps you out of the things that God has said. And guess what? That's right. It's working. He's doing it. That's right. You see, Satan knows the ultimate consequences of these trends and changes. We know about it too. Amen. We don't always admit it, but we know. We have this uneasy feeling that we're losing something that we just can't do without, and yet we don't do anything about it. You know that this is escaping us. It's getting away from us. You know it, but you just either don't have the time or you don't have the wherewithal or the courage or whatever to stop it. Well, you got to. You got to stop it. We sort of just keep going through life, and before you know it, the kids are growing up in your influence to change Whatever's happening is gone. It'll happen that fast. I'm telling you. I know because I've done it. And my kids are finding out too. They grow up real fast. That's right. John the Baptist quoted Isaiah the prophet when he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. I think the family of today is much like that. But few here and even fewer do anything about it. Does anybody know what's happened to the family today? I do. So where does that leave us in the family of tomorrow? Let's talk about that as we try to finish this up. First of all, we have to see the problems of the day as spiritual problems that call for spiritual solutions. You cannot live life with two of the three aspects of life. And in Emmaus, we teach this. You can't, a stool... Well, these are four-leggeds, but can't stand on one, can't stand on two. You put three, it'll stand. And that's because we have three facets of life. It's the physical, metaphysical, mental, emotional, and the spiritual. Now, which ones do you think we feed? Used to be mostly the physical, then to the mental, emotional, and then maybe the spiritual. Now, 
metaphysical and physical are right up there. The emotional, we're such an emotional people now that we're right there. Ask any philosopher or uh, psychologist, they'll tell you. The emotionality has come way, way higher than it ought to be, but it's there. Hence, you see what's going on. And so, and that's what Satan wants too, by the way. That's the sermon for. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. So you, you have these three facets. We are not feeding the spiritual in our society. We're not. But God created every single person with all three. Exactly. The need for all three. Exactly. Didn't, yes or no, didn't he? And this, you can prove this. You look at any web dating site, and it'll say uh, religion or pre- religious preference, it'll say spiritual. What's that mean? Why? Because we're spiritual people, whether we want to believe it or not. Now, not everybody feels the spiritual like they ought to, or they feel the wrong things, but everybody has it. That's a fact. So, that's what we're talking about here. We have to see these problems that call for spiritual solutions. The problem is we don't. We don't see them as spiritual. We try to deal with problems like they're anything but spiritual. But we need to identify these bad practices we've been talking about for what they are. They are destructive forces from Satan. That's what they are. It took me a long time to figure that out. Is Satan behind every bad thing? Pretty much. Now, he's had a lot of help. He's had a lot of help. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestled not against flesh and blood. True. And Satan is powerful. And he alone is behind the breakdown and the downfall of the modern American family. Yes, yes or no? That's it. Yes or no? That's it. Come on, yes or no? Yes. Okay, you know it. You know it. But again, he had a lot of help. Does anyone have an idea who might have helped him? Guess what? We did. We helped him by allowing it. Even clamoring for it. Now, uh, Jessica was kind of rotten when she was little. For those of you who don't know that. You see this sweet, wonderful, nice girl, and she is. But when she was young, oh my. I mean, I remember the day I had to go snatch her out in front of my house up in uh, up in Osceola when she had the tongs and was chasing boys on the street with tongs. I said, get, get your... And I would tell her, she would want to play her... She, she is a, a Sonic a video game, game playing fool. She, was so, she could play every Sonic there was and was good at it. And of course, she always wanted to play Sonic. But there were times when I wanted to watch Notre Dame football or whatever, and so I would you know, get through... And of course, the remote changed from TV to game. And I would tell her, Jessica, don't touch. She, I would just look at her. She'd be reaching for it. Don't. And you know what she'd do? Back and forth like this. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's her husband. Wow. <laughs> That's Matthew. It is, yeah. Okay? See, we, we, we have this, this thing in our We can't help it. I get it when kids do it. But adults do it. We know where the line is. Don't do these things. These are bad for you. Really? And and you know what? Here's the other thing. Here's one. I love this one. People will come to me or another counselor and they'll say, well, you know, uh, this is going on, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, and and, and it's plain as day to everybody. And you say, well, maybe you ought not uh, do this sort of thing. You know, well, you know, if if you know that you're allergic to ice cream, or you're allergic to dairy products, don't eat ice cream. Okay? And here's what they do. I know. Yes. What do you know? What are you doing here? 
right? I know. It's like we know what's bad for us. But what do we do? Why are we drawn to that? Why? We continue to do this stuff. But with God's help, guess what we can do? Put an end to it. We can put an end to it. In fact, he's already made the way. So here's an answer. There always has been an answer. Right? Because when things go awry in your life, you're going to look back and say, I don't know where it went wrong. I'll bet you can. I'll bet you do know where it went wrong. If you, look, if you think about it and you look at it, I'll bet you'll know. Because usually at the time when it's going awry, you know it's going awry. But you think, well, I can skate back. Yeah, I can go this way a little bit and I can skate back. Who's done it? Come on. I'm the only one in here that did that. Come on. Well, there's just two honest people. Did I miss a few of you? I can't see. Hold on. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so I, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> right? So, see, we, this, this is who we are. That's who we are. We're people. God has the answer. Christ is the answer still. He's always been the answer. I, I didn't know it, and then I wouldn't admit it, and then I didn't like it. Anybody been that down that road? I didn't know it, then I didn't like it, right? That's all right. Because so I wouldn't do it. That's all right. That's that's how it is. It goes that way with everybody. First of all, you don't believe it, okay? Because you don't know it, and then when you find out, you don't like it, so you won't do it. That's see, you're all going because you know. So I got a bobblehead doll yesterday at, at, at the White Sox Park. Just do this. You know why? Because it's true. You know it's true. And we live that way. But we still do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Our Christian faith in the church is and must be, get this, a family affair. Who remembers that show, Family Affair? Yes. yes. That was a great show. They're all dead now. Yeah. I even think the kids are gone. But man, I'll tell you what. Brian it was a good show, wasn't it? Brian Keith. Why? Brian Keith, yeah. And everybody's going, who's Brian Keith? Right? <laughs> yeah. My three sons, yeah? Yeah? Okay. You guys, you're dating yourselves, but you know. Friends, making your Christian faith in the church a family affair is the only way the family itself is going to be saved. You know why? Joshua said, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, As for me and my house, yeah, but you know what? Before that, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. And we are choosing. We have chosen. And you know what? For all of those people that think that they don't choose Christ, that they're choosing self, you are dead wrong. You choose Christ or you choose Satan, and you don't even know it. And the choice will be made for you. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I never understood that until I saw it in the Word of God. This is a long time ago. And it dawned on me, that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants you to think that you're in control, that you can do blah, 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 blah. And guess what? Jesus said it best. One of these days, somebody's going to put a noose around you and lead you to where you don't want to go. You choose who it's going to be right now. That's what he said. Man! Boy, that that, that hit me like a brick in the head. Anybody? One of these days. So here's all I'm going to say, friends. What are you saying? I know what Joshua said. What are you saying? We better all start saying something. Because if we don't, well, here's what's going to happen. The hope of America is the Christian church and the Christian home. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. I know that for, with all yes. that I am. 
That's what's going to make the difference, what's going to make the change. Big time. Big time. Big time. We have to live according to the Scripture, not Dr. Phil, not Dr. Laura, or Dear Abby. Say it. Say the word. Come on. That's, I, that stuff's entertaining to me. I fall out laughing. And then I laugh to the point I think, oh my gosh, this is real. People believe this stuff. That's not funny anymore. Then it's not funny. They're listening to that garbage. We have to allow the church to teach us. We have to believe what the church is teaching. And we have to agree to it and do what the Word of God is saying. That's what we have to do. Friends. And then we're going to have to take it home. Because that's where we're going to get it done, is in the home. Start being parents again. Start having consequences for poor behavior and disobedience and disrespect. And actually, if you want to know the truth of it, the home is even more going to get this done than the church is. The church is just going to influence the home. Because the home has to be the primary influence. If you teach your children that church is not an option, that it's a necessity, then they'll always know that this is true. And even when they move away from it as adults, they always know their way back when tough times come. How about that? And I, th- I, th- I think I read somewhere in the scripture that says that. Huh? There's the thought. But the church is going to have to also move in such a manner that it restores the family to a spiritual responsibility under God. And that means we might have to change as a church. Not change our principles. Not change what God has said. But we might have to change our music a little bit. We might have to upgrade some things. We might have to, we might have to you know, put lights and things. Oh, okay. I can do that. But that didn't go change. Anybody? Church is going to have to change a little bit to be relevant to our younger people who desperately need it. And families are going to have to allow the church to do it. They're going to have to allow the church to do it. And that brings me to another truth. God's instructions to families. That's right. God is still instructing families. How many of you know that God's still instructing families? You know what, though? I'm not sure we want instruction. What do you think about that? I'm not sure we want instruction. Right before he died and turned the leadership of Israel over to Joshua, Moses reminds the people to love God and teach his commandments to their children. He said, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. That's right. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's right. The Apostle Paul was referring to the necessity of teaching the Word and the ways of God in the home when he reminded Timothy, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now that could only happen if somebody at home taught him. Right. And we know who it was, because Scripture tells us. I once heard it said, Religion is more caught than it is taught. Mm-hmm. It's more caught than it is taught. This must be true. Yes. I think it is. Now, my son was a pretty good football player. In fact, you could even say he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Receiver. Played high school. Good there. Good in college. And I don't want to gloat on him, but I'm going to tell you something. I've seen him make some catches that were unbelievable as a receiver. I couldn't have done it. And I've seen people in college and in the NFL make catches that were absolutely unbelievable. Acrobatic. Who remembers Lin Swan? That guy was Alfred Jenkins. Yes. Now, these are yeah. blasts from the past. Who's some modern guys? Yell them out. Who are they? Go ahead now. Who's our receiver today? John, who are we talking about? Right. Calvin Johnson. Yes. Chris, who else? Yes. Adams. Yeah. 
Oh, not all patriots. <laughs> There's some pretty good bear receivers out there you don't want to acknowledge. Okay. Anyway. Oh, I'm not slighting you Colt fans. Come on. The Colts were in Baltimore until just like 12 years ago. I want to hear it. Whatever. 20 years ago. Okay. Anyhow, I've seen amazing catches. Who's seen an amazing catch? You, and, and they put a highlight reel and they play it over and over and over and over again. And everybody watches the catch, watches the catch. I got news for you. That catch would never have been made if the ball was never thrown. That's right. If somebody didn't deliver that ball where it needed to go, it would never have happened. So the quarterback's just as important. The linemen are just as important. The coach and the scheme is just, they're all going together. And you got to throw the ball or nobody's going to catch anything. That's the way it is. Paul was writing to Timothy when he said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. You see, this would never have been passed to Timothy if mom and grandmom hadn't studied it, if they hadn't known it, if they hadn't practiced it, and then taught it to Timothy. And neither will it happen for your family or the church if we don't begin doing the same. Right? We need to throw the ball. We need that plan. Good, good word, good word. We need to play the game right. Good word, good word. Because Satan's playing his game, and everybody out there is playing his game, and the church better start playing our game. That's a fact. And as our worship team comes, friends, I will leave you with this. Society is changing rapidly. We are moving quickly to the return of Christ because what used to be right and what used to be wrong is now sort of blurry. It's now sort of blurry. And things that I used to know People will come up with, it with a, an excuse or a point that seems plausible and reasonable. And I'm like, huh? And then it's like, no. <laughs> I go back to my roots and I go, okay, no. Right? But it sounded good for a little bit. See, that's, that's, that's how it operates. So what can the church do in these uncertain times and changes? The divine purpose for God and in God is establishing the home that must be practiced and taught. Christian homes within the church community have to shine as lighthouses for people in this lost sea of change. In a dry and thirsty land which is missing the living water and the spirit of life, we have to be an oasis for those who are dying and don't even know it. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. We must offer Christ to this changing world. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. But how do we do it? First by learning it. And then by not being defiant toward the truth of what you have seen to be true. Second, by practicing it. If you learn it, then practice it. You can't help but want to share it. Give it a try. For I'd like to see God show off a little bit in this world. How about you? Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.